from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Obie Credit Union in Lacey, Washington is a 45-minute drive from the Kirkland, Washington nursing home that was the initial epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak. The area's credit unions were among the first in the nation to implement their pandemic response plans, which included closing branch lobbies, expanding remote work arrangements, offering special loans, waiving fees, and more. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for CUNY News. This episode of the CUNY News Podcast features a conversation with James Collins, President and CEO of OB Credit Union. He describes OB's ongoing response to the coronavirus outbreak managing a remote workforce, leading during a crisis, and what gives him hope for the future. When did it first hit you that the spread of the coronavirus was going to be a huge deal? We figured that it was going to be a huge deal when some of the uh, travel bans and the uh, social distancing started to occur. And we made internal changes to assist both employees and uh, members visiting us. But as the, uh, it was probably about two weeks ago, that the restrictions or recommendations began to be stricter and stricter. And it became obvious that to safely do business with that, we were going to have to radically change our model. And so we implemented uh, our plan. We had been implementing our plan, but we moved to our highest level of our plan. We have five levels in ours. And at that last one, we ended up closing our lobbies, using uh, drive-through, expanding electronic services, uh, reduced uh, tons of fees, and did everything we could to encourage um, electronic transactions. That's currently where we're sitting. And we've got about 40% of our staff set home and working from home at this point from our administrative center. How the members respond to the changes so far? It varies. Everyone understands. Um, you know, it's everybody's under the same lockdown, so that's worked very well. The biggest issue that we've seen is small businesses. Small businesses really don't know where to go. They need bridge loans, is is what they need, and uh, unfortunately for us, credit unions need to know certainty on cash flows and. We can't get that, so we can't really give them those. And so they've been laying off their staff, and most of their staff, so we're a blue-collar, low-income credit union, so most of those staff are, uh, they have loans or accounts with us. So there's a high degree of nervousness out there, and everyone's looking, I think, for legislation in the plan from Washington, D.C., primarily to see what's going to happen next. I've seen on your website that you've got a, an emergency personal loan. Can you talk about some of the various programs you've implemented to help members or the ones that you're thinking of doing or, or how you've adjusted your, your policies and practices to accommodate members? We've done a, a number of things. Uh, the first one is our emergency loan. It's up to $5,000. And uh, it's a very quick loan that uh, members can get. We require them to have been members for a certain period of time. What's unfortunately brought up in this panic kind of is a lot of fraudsters, and they're trying to join the credit union right now to get those loans. That's been very successful. We've also eliminated our skip pay fees. 
We've expanded our skip pay so you can do two in a row. We've also expanded our skip pay so that they can handle some uh, mortgage products, which previously we were only allowing credit card and auto loans to have skip pay. We've also uh, eliminated our Regulation D fees. We've eliminated any fees associated with remote banking. We used to have an excess uh, remote deposit capture fee. If they did too many checks, we've eliminated that. And, uh, you know, wherever we can, if we can find something that gets people out of the branch and they can do something electronically, that's that's what we're doing. So uh, there's probably about 20 or 30 things that we've done to assist folks. Have any members taken you up on those measures yet, or is it still pretty early? Oh, yes. Uh, we are deluged with loan modifications, skip pays, and other things. And we still have a, a fair amount of lending. The rates are very low. So there are some people that uh, don't really have financial challenges right now, and they're taking advantage of this. To be honest, we've actually prioritized them a little down further so that they're getting a little bit uh, slower response just because we want to keep up with the people that really need it right now. And you mentioned that a fair number of people are withdrawing large sums of cash from the credit union due to in the misinformation. How are you addressing that? And can you tell me a little bit about that? So we will honor any request for someone to take out money in cash. And, and that's what the, the, the rumors, Facebook rumors, unfortunately, have said that the credit unions uh, and banks are in trouble and you need to go take out your money in cash. We coach them that first off there is NCUA insurance up to 250,000. There's ways to structure that insurance for even more. And then we don't recommend that you carry it in cash no matter what you do. But some people have really decided, no, that's their best choice. And uh, we're working through those. If it's very large, we've always had in policy, I think it's five or $10,000 that they need to give us 24 hours notice just to make sure that the vault, the location has uh, enough cash. We don't carry a lot of excess cash in our vaults. The other thing we've done is we've exercised some borrowings with the Federal Home Loan Bank just to boister up our liquidity position overall, just to make sure that if it gets worse, then we won't have any liquidity items out there. That was somewhat unexpected that people would be coming in and doing that. The smaller consumer accounts don't bother us, but we've had some large business accounts that have done the same things, uh, usually sole owner type accounts. And uh, we are working with some other credit unions in the area to have a reciprocal agreement where if maybe they had a half million dollars on deposit with us, that uh, we can quickly have them open an electronic account at another credit union and then transfer their excess cash there just so that it stays in the credit union industry and it's all protected and they're not running around with a bunch of cash in their business, which is now at a robbery risk. Coronavirus-related fraud is a big concern. How much have you seen of that among your members? Have any of your members been affected by that? Um, not directly coronavirus-related, but um, when we closed our lobbies, we expanded the transaction types we would take through both electronic and through drive-throughs. And some of the fraud has been through those avenues because they're less personal and they're easier to do things. Uh, the number one thing we've seen, we saw immediately was check fraud, uh, just bad checks being deposited 
either through remote deposit capture, because we kind of opened up the amount that people could do that way, or through the drive-through, and then uh, you know trying to check IDs and stuff is is problematic that way. So, what's a typical day for you right now? So, um, the first thing we do is we look at what happened overnight, and we have a check-in by all branches and all departments in with human resources. And they give uh, the senior management a list of how many people are out with what kind of symptoms. Currently, the credit union's not had any confirmed cases of the virus. However, we've had some people out with flu-like symptoms. And uh, in an abundance of caution, we always make sure that they don't come in. So that's the first thing that happens. And we evaluate to make sure we have enough staff to keep uh, the departments that we need to going. And if we don't, then we have the opportunity, or we've not used it yet, to move people around and, and have them go into different jobs. The second thing we do is we monitor our calls coming in just to see what the general membership is looking for that day. And a lot of it has to do with what was in the news overnight. So, for example, um, there was really no issues with people wanting cash out of their accounts until a couple stories hit the news and then the, some of the Facebook things happened. And then about noon, I'll have a report from all the different departments about how things are going. And I prepare a 3 p.m. posting every day to the staff about each of the departments and how they're working and any issues that they've seen. That goes out promptly, uh, just short uh, of 3 p.m. every day. It explains what they've done or what we've done. The first ones we had to do uh, were, were very lengthy. So, for example, one of the things we did is we granted everybody 80 hours of emergency leave so they could use that as they needed uh, for different things. We have some people that were afraid that they were going to be sick or maybe their spouse was ill. And we also had some people that had, uh, when they closed the schools here, had to stay home with their children. So by giving that 80 hours, that really helped. That was the first posting we did. And the feedback we got from that posting was, hey, can we get these postings every day? And so we've been keeping the daily postings ever since. And uh, we also you know, evaluate our cash position and any other metrics that we think might be going uh, sideways. And then uh, we started over the, the next day. How's your staff doing? Everybody is scared. And you know that goes for members, staff, board members. There's always two questions they have. One is, am I going to get sick? And the other one, am I going to be financially okay? And the first one, we can't do a lot other than practicing all the CDC guidelines. We don't really affect that that much. The second one, we can, and we just try to encourage them to say, we're with you. Our intent is to keep our employees and keep everyone going through this. But we also know that a lot of our employees have spouses that are already laid off or are going to be laid off. And so this is going to be a financial um, issue for them. And uh, we can't affect that directly. So we're just trying to help them best we can. How have staff adapted to working remotely and uh, some of the other changes in your operations? One thing I will say is that even if you've tested it, once you encounter a work from home or a a more drastic emergency measure to keep people off the streets, there isn't enough bandwidth to handle people working from home. So we are uh, doing a hybrid at this point. 
where about 40 or 50% of our admin staff is working from home and about half our staff are working much further apart in our admin building. So, you know, working from home, people enjoy it, but the quality of the connections is not very good. And the internet systems are really not designed to do what we're doing. Uh, even though we use minimum bandwidth, all the schools are closed and they've all moved to online learning, which is a lot of video. People are home watching Netflix. So, um, again, working from home has been problematic. We also have some issues here. For example, in, in Washington State, we have to use wet signature on auto titles. So that's been a problem. So you can't get away from all the paper. You can get away from a lot of it, but uh, there's always issues and certain things that you can't do. So, um, you know, people have been working from home. We actually rotate them in and out of home. Certain people aren't always working from home. And it seems to be working reasonably well, but I wish it would work a lot better. Do you have any advice for managing people who are working remotely? Any best practices? Yeah, our league put together uh, several good practices and agreements. The one thing you want to do is you need to have a metric to make sure that whatever job you need them to do is getting done. And the second thing is that they need to check in with a reasonably good conversation, not just an email, with their managers uh, at least once a day, if not several times a day. When you don't have your staff where they can talk to each other, things can become disjointed very quickly. So having that communication constantly is helpful. The other thing I would strongly recommend, and uh, we actually implemented this as part of a, a different program back in January, is we use social business tools. Our product right now is Microsoft Teams. That has been a great product for us to keep the teams together, even if they're distributed all over different branches, admin building, and home. That's a good way that they can keep communication and, and keep it regular. You know, email is not a very good mechanism for that, but something like Teams or Slack is a good solution for that. Are you working remotely? Myself? No, I've been in the headquarters every day so far. I can work remotely, but uh, I've just felt that it would be better for people to see me. The other thing, I do have my administrative staff on a rotation, so not everybody is in the headquarters at the same time. Have you looked at the potential financial impact on OB and thought about what you might do to address that impact? Yes. So we're $350 million with a large balance sheet. And we have a you know, relatively high loan to share of about 96%. The biggest issue initially was liquidity. Did we have enough liquidity? And we have plenty of liquidity, but we just wanted to make sure of that. That was the first thing we took care of because that's the most immediate threat and a shock to the system. The second issue, and now we're starting to look at what happens after this. And, you know, we've heard this thing will end in two months or four months or 18 months, but there is going to be an after. And what we expect to see is much higher delinquency and much higher charge-off. That's one issue that's going to be out there. And how are we going to fund that? Well, to be honest, this is what your reserves are for. I think a lot of credit unions will take large write-downs and large hits to the reserves. But this is why the government required us to have 7% net worth is for events like this. And so this will be a, a big hit to everyone. But, you know, with the capital levels of the credit unions, it's, it's definitely doable. And uh, 
we're also need to also think about what happens after this and when people start to rebuild them, how are you going to be there? And that's the other piece to that. Again, we, we need more clarification about how long this is going to be before we can make firm plans, but those are the things we're thinking of right now. How do you think this could change your credit union operations in the long term? One thing I think that it will change is we've always had members that have resisted the use of electronic and non-personal transactions. And the longer this goes on, the more they will be trained to do that. So I, I see a big kind of sea of change where the members that always came in to deposit every check, you're just not going to see them as much anymore. The second thing I see, though, is that we're almost like a family. And we started as Olympia Brewery employees, and we've expanded quite a bit, but there's still a feeling of community. And I've noticed all of our small businesses are helping each other. All of our members are helping each other. And the credit unions is kind of the center of that. And I kind of see that the credit unions really, in, in this kind of environment, they're doing what we were supposed to do. One of my staff, her daughter, works for a large bank. I won't mention them. But they are doing business as normal, even though there is this six-foot rule and social distancing. They've not changed anything at their branches. And I see that, and I just can't fathom why not. And it's just a different culture. And our members have accepted our changes and our explanations of why we're trying to do it. And I think in the end, um, we're going to have a much more friendly credit union environment for everyone. What has this experience taught you about leading during a crisis? So um, I have an emergency management background, and this crisis is up there, even with our planning, on one of those ones that you don't really plan for because your best laid plans go awry after the first shot. And that's exactly what happened. We had a good pandemic plan. The pandemic started off very slowly. We were well within our plan. And then it accelerated so fast, it was unbelievable. So the one thing that I've learned on, on the leadership is you have to be thinking of not where you are or not even where you think you're going to be next week, but where you're going to be next month. And you have to get that stuff prepared. And make sure people understand that you have a plan. When we came out and told our membership and our employees early on, this is our plan. This is our alert level at this point. This is what we're looking for. This is the next alert level. And this is what will happen at that next alert level. Once people knew that there was a plan, things got a lot better. So it's that communication and making sure you're working at least a couple weeks out, even though you think it might be months before you get to that next level. You can get there very, very quickly. What gives you hope about this situation? Sometimes it's, it's hard to have hope when you see the stock market drop 2,000 points several days in a row. You have small businesses calling you and you can't really help them. But one thing that we do know is that this does have an end. Every expert is says this will end. It may not be as fast as we want, and then we'll get to the other side. I was the CFO here when we went through 2008. This is much worse than that, but there is another side. In 18 months on the long side, we will start crawling back out. And crawling back out is 
difficult too, but we know we can do it. So this is not a permanent issue. That's not the hope. That's just what it is. So we know things will get better. It's just going to be a tough row for a bit. So on a more personal level, what are you doing to stay sane during these rocky times? Well, we're following all the CDC guidelines. My daughter, who lives at home, she has a immune system issue, a severe one. So, you know, from a personal standpoint, we're just being very cautious, not meeting with other people, maintaining a certain distance. Make sure you get exercise. One thing I've learned from being in emergency management and first responding is work on your stress levels. Everybody is very stressed. And stress damage comes to people by how stressed they are and how long they remain in that stress mode. Because this is such a long-term issue, people have to think about how can they de-stress, whether that's walking your dog, having a nice conversation on the phone with somebody, watching a movie, just doing different things, making fun of how much toilet paper people can actually fit in their car. Try to find some humor and things or whatever you can do. Get yourself back to a good stress level. Exercise, eat well, and um, you know, just keep thinking that eventually this thing will end. Just go back from that what we call the orange level of your stress. Try to get back to a green at least for a few minutes per day. You know, I don't listen to the radio driving to work. I listen to music now driving to work. Just avoid all that tension. That helps quite a bit. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Any other words of wisdom you'd like to share? The only thing I would say is that for people to take this you know, seriously and what your local uh, health authorities and what your local regulators, just remember everybody's trying to do the right thing and help as much as they can. I can tell you from my standpoint, working with both our league and working with the regulators, Everybody has their eye on getting to the other side of this. If anything, this has pulled everybody together. And I hope that as we go through this, that is something that stays around with everybody. So um, I would just say, you know, everybody be careful and be safe. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.